Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hi, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's uh, installment in Generational Curses, Is God Really Fair? Now, really, this whole series is not about generational curses. It's about answering the question as to whether or not God's fair. You know, we are living in a world environment of political correctness. And political correctness is really a nice way of saying, I am more righteous than God. In other words, uh, how, what we decide is fair, what we decide is honest, what we decide is moral, the words that people should use uh, the, the, uh, uh, to describe anything, we're going to define what those are. We're not going to let God define them. And in fact, there's going to be certain words we're going to get rid of. You know, right now, uh, uh, there's a move within the government and there's a move among many people to remove personal pronouns or gender-specific pronouns. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, God still uses uh, uh, gender-specific pronouns, not because he exalts one gender over another gender. It's just because anatomically there is on, there are only two genders. And anything else that you want to identify as, that's your choice. Now, I, don't, I don't really fight with anybody over their choice. I don't condemn anybody over their choice to be identified a certain way. But the whole world cannot change to facilitate any individual's personal securities. And that's, that's what we're faced with. Because the, the, the biggest concept, like I say, that, that, that we face today in the political environment, and the political environment, a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't be talking about this. You know, you're a minister. We need to be talking about God. Well, the problem is uh, everything about relating to God publicly and everything, even about what you believe about God in your heart is come under such incredible attack that, you know, we, we, it's not just political correctness on saying words a certain way now. Uh, you know, we are being challenged on what we think and what we believe. And I'm going to tell you this, you might as well understand that in the days to come, uh, it will reach a place where people who have a serious commitment to God will be considered a threat to others. They'll be considered a threat to the mental stability of the world. We will be, the, we will be accused of the reason why people have guilt and shame. We're already accused of that. But here, here's the deal. I, I want to help you wade past all of that because... I know the people that are watching this broadcast, the people that tune in this are people that are seeking God. People that are seeking to find their way through this maze. And, you know, what I've been sharing with you for the last six weeks, and today will be the, the, the seventh week, uh, is really answering the question and helping you understand not only from a biblical perspective, but from a relational perspective, is God really fair. And we started with the whole concept of generational curses, because if you buy into the idea that God can hurt somebody, uh, other, uh, you know, and it's not that God's not going around hurting people, even if they're wrong, if they're doing bad things, that's not the deal. And that's not really what the Bible teaches. We think that's what the Bible teaches, but it's really not. But the whole idea that God needs to teach you something, so he's going to 
kill somebody in your family. He's going to uh, cause somebody to have an accident. He's going to cause a disease to come. That whole idea is so incredibly, incredibly warped. It is so absolutely messed up. I mean, how unfair could it be that an innocent person is victimized or punished or, or used as a pawn as a way to try to teach another person how to do something? And so, you know, there have been, there have been uh, doctrinal, theological concepts developed called generational curses. And, and please, I know some of you are just going to be so offended. There is nothing in the Bible, there's, there's no such phrase in the Bible as generational curses. There is iniquity being visited from generation to generation, but iniquity is something that is learned, and it's learned because of the environment that people grow up in, uh, the influencers in people's lives. They teach them to believe uh, certain values, certain standards, certain morals, certain ethics. And whenever our morals, values, and ethics actually reject or, re or twist God's morals, values, and ethics, then that's what the Bible calls iniquity. Now, here, here's the incredible thing. When you look at the corruption of the world, and, and you know, people, uh, people read the Bible and they, they read about the second coming of Jesus and uh, man, mean uh, legalistic religionists you know, have told us that Jesus is going to come back a second time and man, everybody's not saved. Bam, they're doomed to go to hell. And, uh, and, and, it's, and it's like, okay, so Jesus is here to finally deal out the punishment that all these wicked people deserve. Well, you know, that's absolutely not what the Bible teaches. Real truth is Jesus is going to return to planet Earth a second time to rule and reign for a thousand years with real life human beings. And uh, at Jesus' return, the only, the only destruction they're gonna be, that's gonna happen is gonna be the destruction to the Antichrist and his armies. Here's something you have to understand about the religion of the Antichrist. The religion of the Antichrist is not committed to ruling the world, they are committed to destroying the world. And, and the religion that represents what the Bible calls the Antichrist religion that is opposed to all worship of Jehovah God, that is, uh, that is opposed to all Christianity, that is opposed to the Bible as the Word of God, their, their passion and their plight is not to rule the world. People think it is, but their, their stated passion is to destroy the world because they believe that when they destroy the world, their God, which by their definition is not the same God that Jews and Christians worship, their God will come then. And so Jesus will come back to stop the annihilation of human population. In other words, it will be an act of kindness, it will be an act of mercy, and it will be an act that is designed to protect the innocent. And in truth, even in the Old Testament, you look at every act that God ever committed that seemed brutal, we fail to realize that, that those countries and those religions, they weren't live and let live. They had the intention of annihilating all the worship of the Creator God, all the worship of Jehovah, to annihilate that, to remove that from the face of the earth. And so some of the extreme things that God led uh, the armies of Israel to do, they, they were really 
to protect the innocent from people who had one deep, passionate commitment to completely destroy uh, the nation of Israel and destroy you know, all people who worshiped and acknowledged any God other than their God. So Jesus is going to come back. And here, here's going to be the amazing thing. You know, um, Gilgamesh, now Gilgamesh was a Nephilim that um, ruled in the nation of Samaria. And um, many people think that the Israelites copied their worship of God from the religions of Samaria. Now, the, the truth is the religions of Samaria were established by Nephilim, by fallen angels, uh, in order to, to pervert and prevent people from actually worshiping the, the true creator. In other words, they, they stole these things and uh, perverted the worship of true God. But as far back as Gilgamesh, uh, there has been, actually as far back as just the Nephilim in general, there has been a move to destroy the world's population. And so, even with Gilgamesh, you know, right now we've got this thing about, okay, man, we've got to stop the world's population. I was listening to some politicians the other day talking about, man, the need to impose uh, 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 birth control on, on nation, entire nations. And, you know, of course, China does that right now. They have a limit to how many children that you can have. And because there is this lie out there that says that the world will be destroyed by overpopulation. Well, all of that actually started with Gilgamesh nearly 6,000 years ago, uh, which, and which basically was a Luciferian concept uh, as a ploy to destroy the world population. Let me tell you something. There is only one goal that our enemy, Lucifer, that the hater, the destroyer of all things, there's only one goal that he has for the human race. He doesn't want you to worship him. He wants to utterly destroy the human race. And this is the design of pagan religions is to destroy the human race. Human race. So, so, you, you, you've had this thing now going for over, like I say, nearly 6,000 years, over 5,000 years, this, this idea that, that the world can't sustain life. So, so we've, got to impose, uh, we've got to impose birth control. We've got to impose abortion. Uh, we've got to impose you know, euthanasia. We've got to impose uh, any, anything to justify killing and eliminating human life. Now, this thing, you know, Saying these words out loud, it just sounds so bizarre, but you got to understand something. I've traveled over most of the world. I've seen this stuff in other countries. I've talked to people from other countries that live under these types of regimes. And, and, and this, is, this is what we're facing. You know, right now we're being, we're being challenged that, uh, that, you know, within 12 years, the world is going to end. Well, here's, here's an amazing thing. If you've read the Bible and you're a believer, how in the world could you believe that? We know how all this ends, and I'm going to tell you how it ends. It ends with these people that are using these, these scare tactics um, and, and, and as justification to murder millions of people, to, to, white, to kill babies, to kill elderly people. And I'll tell you, the, the bloodshed is going, to, is going to expand, it's going to expand, it's going to expand. Jesus is going to come back a second time to prevent the total destruction of the human race. You know why? Because he is fair. And, and it is not fair. 
It is not kind. It is not good. It is not merciful to destroy the lives of millions of people for an ideology that not only is, is not true, it, it, it's not scientific, it's not biblical, it can't be proven, it's nothing but the, but the raving uh, thoughts of, of demon-inspired people, if you really want to know the truth. So Jesus is going to come back, and, and we are going to see, oh, wait a minute, we're going to spend another thousand years, and, and you know what? We're not going to die from overpopulation. We're not going to die from lack of food. We're not going to die from global warming. We're not going to die from all from another ice age. We're not going to die from all of this propaganda that has been shoved down our throat for the last 50 or 60 years. What we're going to do is we're going to have a thousand years of prosperity. We're going to have a thousand years of peace. We're going to have a thousand years of health. The Bible tells us that during that period of time that uh, if, if somebody dies at a hundred years old, they will be considered a child. A child died because, he, because somebody died at a hundred years old. And what we're going to see for a thousand years is we're going to see the earth ruled by righteousness. We're going to see true justice. Now I want you to understand something. The, perver the destruction of the world is not coming about through some mystical way. It's not coming about through some flood of demons, you know, that, that are <coughs> floating around in the air. The, the destruction of the world, according to the Bible, is coming about because of the lack of godly justice that has taken place by world leaders. When there is no justice, people become discouraged. When there is no justice, people lose hope. When there is no justice, then the poor oppress. When there's no justice, only the elite end up with all the money and all the resources. When there is no justice, there's double and triple standards in the court systems. And, and that is what is happening, not just in America right now, but that's what's happening all over the world. This causes uh, people to rise up. You know, when people feel that things are unfair, Man, they rise up and they fight and they kill each other uh, to try to find some level of justice. Well, right now, the most uh, malevolent voices out there are the people who, in the name of a false mercy and a false justice and a political correctness, try to convince every minority, every different financial group, they try to, con they try to convince everybody that what is happening to them is not fair. And I'll tell you, when you keep pushing that, when you keep pushing that dogma, when you keep pushing that propaganda, you push people into corners. And I'll tell you, they, they come out fighting. Well, I got news for you. Uh, Jesus is going to come and he's going to rule. He's going to reign in absolute justice, the justice of God. And we're going to have a thousand years that, that where God is vindicated and where we can look at the world and say, you know what, if we trusted God all along, this is the way planet Earth could have always been. There didn't have to be diseases. There didn't have to be wars. There didn't have to be injustice. There didn't have to be crime. And, and, if, and when there was, there, there were godly ways to deal with these. I, I don't know about you, but man, this makes me say, come Lord Jesus. You know something, I don't think most Christians are ready for Jesus to come, but I don't think most Christians want Jesus to come because of the lie that has been told to us. And see, you know, the lie that's been told is that number one, all these bad things that are happening in the world, God's doing because he's mad. No, God's not doing it. Mankind is doing it. But 
And then the whole concept that he's going to come back and everybody that's not saved is going to, is going to die and go to hell right then. Uh, man, you know what? If you've got kids you're praying for, if you've got people that you love that don't know the Lord, then that doesn't make you pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But you know what? When you realize he's going to come and rule and reign in justice and, and, and you know, the only people who are going to be destroyed are going to be the armies of the Antichrist that are seeking to destroy mankind, seeking destroy, to destroy all life on planet. Those are the ones that are going to be destroyed. And we're going to have a thousand years of justice. You know, it is amazing the lengths that God goes to to Number one, understand the plight of man, reconcile the plight of man, bring peace and recovery and, and, and bring to man as much paradise uh, as, he, as he can possibly have. You know, uh, I'll be releasing my second book in the, in the Kingdom trilogy uh, on uh, uh, the third weekend in October. And the first book talks about heaven on earth. And, and it's that's what the Bible calls the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And how that Jesus taught us how to have heaven on earth. And then the second book in the trilogy talks about how we use our authority as believers to establish this in our lives. God wants you to have an incredible life. God, God wants you to have paradise. And if, if we can't have the perfect paradise that he created planet earth to be, he wants us to get as close to living in paradise as we possibly can. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm creating tools to help, to help you do that. And part of why I've got this series, by the way, you know something, I hope you'll get this series. For those of you that are really interested in this concept about God's fairness and trying to come to understand what justice really is, I hope you'll get this series because this is going to take you into more of an in-depth research and study of this than, than we can go to in these programs. And I've really, I've made a decision. Uh, any, anybody who gets this series, you're going to get two, three uh, a bonus messages that you're going to get to download uh, that, we'll, that we'll send you a link to after you get the series. Because I just decided, you know what, there's more to this that I just want to put in this. It's not going to cost you any extra to get, to get these extra uh, messages, but it's going to keep answering questions for you. You know, uh, Stephen Covey said something uh, in one of his, in his first book, uh, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I'll tell you, this is one of these principles that has just stood out to me for ever since I read the book. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. You know, when you get into a negotiation with people, it's amazing how we want to just go into a negotiation with people and we just want to, to make sure they understand our point of view. Well, you know, when you go into a negotiation, trying to make sure somebody gets your point of view, really what you're saying to them is, I don't want to understand you. I don't care what your position is. I don't want to know your, un the uniqueness of your situation or your circumstances that brought you to this. All I want is for you to understand me so that you will treat me fairly. And it's amazing how we just demand that, but we really don't give that. You know, it, it's kind of foolish from a negotiation point of view. You know, if you go into a, neg a negotiation and you play all of your hand first, you reveal all of your information first, then the truth is you're the dumbest guy in the room. You got the weakest position of anybody in the room because now everybody knows your position. 
So besides the fact that if you seek to understand people, you can be merciful. Uh, you seek to understand people, you can, under, you can get their logic and you can, you can formulate a way to negotiate with them. You can formulate a way to reason with them because you're getting their reasoning. By you understanding other people, it, it, it makes you the most powerful person in the room. But here's the amazing thing. If you're the most powerful person in the room and you're kind and you're good and you're merciful, then the amazing thing is now you know how to help that person. You know, there's, there's one of the things that through our school of ministry that we have taught people for decades, and that is that help that is not perceived as help isn't help. You ever have somebody trying to help you and they just won't listen to what you need? You know, uh, uh, this, is, this, is, this is what uh, missionaries do all over the world. I, I, I've had people around the world tell me, you're the first preacher that's ever come from America that, let us, that you let us tell you what our needs were, and then you ministered to us according to that. And uh, one, of the, one of the things a big group of pastors in Africa told me one time after I did a, after I did a seminar for them, uh, they, they said, they said uh, Americans are experts at answering the questions that no one is asking. And they were just so incredibly thankful that I listened to them before I ever preached my first sermon. I listened to them before I ever gave my first words of advice. Well, I want you to understand something. God is fair. God is just. God is merciful. You know, there's an interesting word in the Hebrew and I can't remember if it's, I think it's Michael Card or someone who has a book called Hesed. And, and he spells the title of his book H-E-S-E-D. It's a Hebrew word that, is, that some people would spell like C-H-E-S-S-E-D, Hesed. And this is an interesting word. There is no equal to this word in any other language in the world. Only in the Hebrew language do we have this word that describes God. Well, the, the chesed is always linked to kindness. It's always linked to goodness. It's always linked to patience. It's always linked to being slow to wrath. It's always linked to being uh, uh, forgiving. In other words, all of these positive, healthy aspects of who God is, you always find that when the word chesed is used, it's used in conjunction to these words, and it makes all of these words bigger than they are. Now, so... Uh, Michael Card, I believe that's his name. I hope I'm getting his name right in the book Hesed. He, he, he defines this word kind of loosely or brings a concept of this word that basically says, and I'm going to expand a little bit on his concept, but it's like when, when you're standing before God and you know that you don't deserve something, you have no reason to expect how good God is going to be, and then God does whatever he, goodness He's going to do for you anyhow. That, that's an amazing thing. You're standing there, it's like, I don't deserve this. this I'm not, you know, there's no reason you should, I don't have any reason to expect for you to be this good to me, but bam, He is. That's Hesed. That, that, that's a goodness that goes beyond anything that could be expected. That's a, that's a kindness that goes beyond what could be expected or what could be deserved. And, and so the, the, the Hesed brings this concept to, to fairness, to justice, to goodness, to kindness, to patience, to forgiveness, to, to meekness, uh, to generosity. It brings this concept to it that says, yeah, God's generous, but 
He's more generous than you deserve. He's more generous than you expect. He's more generous than you have any reason to believe he's ever going to be. But that's how generous he is. And, and that's what you can experience if you'll trust him and, and open your heart to him. You know, it kind of takes you to that concept in the New Testament where Paul says, listen, what God's got prepared for you, it, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. In other words, what yeah, you know what goodness is? Well, the goodness God's got for you is better than anything you've ever seen. It's better than anything you've ever heard. It's better than anything you've ever imagined. Matter of fact, it's better than anything you could expect. It's better than anything you hope for. And you know it's better than anything that you deserve. That's what God is trying to bring to us. And, and one of the ways he does this, and we've already talked about this in, in, this, uh, in this broadcast back, several programs back, where, where when, when God talks about, when God declares his, his name, the Lord, the Lord God. Uh, in the Hebrew, that's Jehovah, Jehovah El. And uh, an interesting thing about this, by the way, you know, Jehovah represents the, what we would call the feminine or the mothering aspect of who God is. In other words, you know, it's, it's the mother that breastfeeds the baby. It's the mother that coddles the baby. It's the mother that looks into the baby's eyes while it's feeding and, and, and actually projects these, these feelings of love and acceptance. Literally, the brain waves of the mothers, the mother starts showing up in the brain of the child when that mother is making eye contact and having these emotions for them. So, so all these attributes of what a mother does, God says, if, if you want to really know who I am, you can't just know me in my masculine as aspects. So when, he, when, when God declares who he is to Moses, he says, I'm Jehovah, I'm Jehovah. It's almost like saying, I'm your mother, I'm your mother, and then one time saying, I'm your father. The Lord, that's the word Jehovah, the Lord, that's the word Jehovah, and then the word God is the word El. So, so you know, God is neither fully feminine, he's neither fully masculine, but the sad thing is, uh, you know, everybody in ministry wants to be the father to their church. And, and I, I say that, I've said this in a lot of my messages over the, over the last year or so. It's like, you know what, pastors, maybe we need to consider the fact that when God was teaching Moses how to pastor this bunch of rowdy people that were uncooperative and stiff-necked, he emphasized, I am your mother, I am your mother, I am your father. And he said, I am merciful, but I'm more merciful than you've ever imagined. I'm more merciful than you deserve. I'm more merciful than you can expect. I am gracious. I am more gracious than you've ever seen and you've ever heard of. I'm more gracious than you would ever deserve or expect. I'm and so all of these characteristics, they're all chesed. I'm long-suffering. I'm bound uh, in goodness and in truth. I keep mercy to thousands. I forgive iniquity. I forgive transgressions. I forgive sins. He says, but by no means clearing the guilty. Man, I, you know what? We probably need to talk about that more in detail. We don't have time today. But then, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. He says, and then the English says it this way, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Well, actually, Dennis Prager, uh, his... Uh, a, a translation of that, that, that I think from what I can understand in the, in the Hebrew and from the, the, from the Bible as a whole is a more accurate translation. It, it, God is not saying, I will visit it. He said, I will remember that the iniquity that is visiting your children and your children's children is all of these ungodly things that the parents have taught. And I'm going to remember that so that I can understand them. So that 
no matter how bad things get, no matter how bad the wickedness gets on planet Earth, I am always still going to move to recovery. I'm always still going to move to redeem you. I'm always going, going to try to protect you. I'm always going to try to get you out of this mess that you've got yourself in. And even when the world reach, reaches such wickedness that is on the brink of destruction, I'm going to show up. I'm going to give you a thousand years of peace and goodness. Listen, man, it don't get any better than that. You know, ch check out the series. I think you'll love it. I think you'll get benefit from it. And by the way, be sure and give me your comments and your questions, remarks on this and uh, like this so that other people will get it. Share it with your friends. Man, we want to know that people will go as far as sending his own son to die to make sure that we can experience his goodness. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.